0: The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour, So may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew in the fifth chapter. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever teaches them and does them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. When I was 16 years old, I started leading a weekly Bible study at my house. Um, and for about six years, every Friday, I had 10 to 20 folks that were all about my age, and they're in their teens and in their 20s, uh, coming to a, a Bible study. And at the beginning, we started by reading together and studying uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. And we walked piece by piece, usually a paragraph or so at a time, through the whole book of Romans. It took us a couple of years to get all the way through it. Um, and then I offered them an option. I said, "Listen, you know, we've got lots of things that we can talk about during our time together. But you know, we can we can either go on past Romans and and read some of the, the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote, or we could do we, we could we could break away from that for a little while and study apologetics, um, because that was a, a fascination of mine at that point. And they decided that that was what they wanted to do to do an apologetic study. And so for the next almost three years, we did a study in apologetics. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with that word, it doesn't mean saying you're sorry really well. It means uh, giving a defense for the for, for the faith. Um, so it was looking at common objections to Christianity and saying, here are the the, the things that, that other groups or other people are saying about Christianity. And here's how we respond to those critiques. Here's how we respond to those, uh, to those criticisms. And as I look back over that period of time, what I've noticed is that that study in apologetics was, was always about responding to something else that everything that we learned and discussed in that context was always in response to something else. Our our Christianity was not framed in terms of what it was, but it was framed in terms of not what they're saying. It was not that. Christianity was not these things. It, was, it, it didn't agree with that. It there was never a discussion in the apologetics books that I was reading about the hope of the Christian gospel. And there was not a discussion about the beauty of the Christian gospel. And there wasn't a discussion of the joy of the Christian gospel. And what I realized looking back on this is that For me, and I'm not saying that this is true for everybody because there are people who give defenses of the faith that that spend all of their time talking about what Christianity is and they give beautiful explanations of what the faith is. But for me, and I suspect for many people, especially at that time in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, our apologetics was ultimately about memorizing information that made me feel comfortable with the uncomfortable parts of my faith. Because we were moving into a more secular world, we were moving into uh, in, at that point a, a postmodern world, and there was a lot of uncertainty and there were a lot of valid criticisms about what Christianity had been and what it was becoming and For me and for a lot of people, the response to that was to circle the wagons and to uh, to, to focus on well. Those critiques are wrong. The things that they're saying are wrong. Let me, let, let, let me uh, you know, demolish their arguments. And it was always about that. It was always about I have information. And if I can memorize the arguments just right. I can say that one clever thing. That will win the argument in my favor. And then of course Jesus wins if I win. Right? It's so easy for us to learn information and then it turns into instead of sharing the gospel with the people who are around us instead of becoming christ's presence in the midst of our world we look at our conversations as an opportunity for us to dispense information about god and about the trinity and about salvation and about holiness and it's not just about apologetics we can do that with any part of our christian life We can look at it as a place where we can dispense information and correct other people's errors. But today, Jesus says to the people who are sitting around his feet, then, and again this morning, be salt. Be light. Now think about all of the things that salt does, especially in Jesus' world. Right? We think of salt as flavoring, which it does. And in Jesus' world, it does as well. Um, and we might think about it in terms of preservation. right? Some of us, I, I know, have, have, have done meat preservation before. We've used uh, you know salt to, to brine things or, or to preserve things. Uh, we're familiar with that idea. But in Jesus' world, salt was life. Everything that happened in Jesus' world centered around salt. Salt was the way that they flavored their food. And not just they had salt and they ground it up on the table, but all of the things that happened around the table in, in, in a, a, a Palestine At that point in history was centered around salt. Salt is how food was preserved and how it was brought to the table. Salt was in all of the garnishes and all of the the sauces that were used. Salt was even the way that ovens worked at that time. Salt is about how things are cooked and how things are prepared and how everything tastes. And the existence of food on people's table is is available only because of salt. Salt in Jesus' world is life. And he says to them, be light. And that is one of those phrases that we have used as Christians so often for so long that it almost doesn't have a meaning. We're like, be the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Go be light. Turn on the light switch. And we have, you know, ridiculous infographics on t-shirts and bumper stickers about this. But I want you to imagine a world where light is not just a matter of pushing a button on the wall. Or maybe, you know, turning on an app on your phone or flipping a switch. I want you to imagine for a moment one of those times that you went camping or maybe you, were, uh, you, you went on a, a, on a tour inside a cave and they always do the obligatory everybody turn off their flashlights moment, right? Here's the thing about darkness that we in our technological world have forgotten is that darkness is everywhere. When it's dark, it's not just dark. It's in everything. It's on everything. Everything, the entire world is consumed and submerged in darkness. And Jesus says, be light. Now you notice, he does not say, I want you guys to go back into your homes and into your villages and into your synagogues. And I want you to be like salt. And I want you to be like a candle. He doesn't say that. That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say that in in our translation. He doesn't say that in the Greek. He doesn't say, I want you to be like salt. I want you to be like light. He says, I want you to be salt. What salt is, I want you to be. What light is, I want you to be. This whole time from Epiphany all the way up until uh, Lent begins in a few weeks, We've been talking about what baptism means for us as Christians. Because for us as Anglicans, baptism has some very specific definitions. We say that baptism is a sign of our regeneration. It is our new birth. It reveals to us our new birth. But it is also, we say, the instrument by which we are grafted into the church, by which we receive the promise of forgiveness of sins, by which our adoption is made by the Spirit of God. We are adopted as God's sons by the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about that in just a second, because I want to make sure that we hear that clearly. But think about what that means. Baptism, we as Anglicans say, is not... Primarily about what you do. What you do is supposed to come out of your baptism. But baptism is something that God does for us. We come to the waters of baptism and then God does a work in our hearts, in our lives and transforms us into something completely new. We become new creations. We are infused with new life. God gives us a new heart and we say again today that we have received a new family that we have been adopted into a new household as sons of the father because of the holy spirit that's what baptism accomplishes in us we have received a new family an adoption in jesus's world isn't something that you can turn over it's not something that happens on a whim when we say that we have been adopted into God's household it means that we have received a new name our identity who we are is now dependent on this new name that we have received we have been called God's children but not just God's children we don't only belong to the father we don't only receive a new name but we are God's sons and that means something very important it doesn't mean that you as God's daughters are not important okay I want to make sure that we don't hear it that way all right (laughs) but in this world the sons received what comes from the father the inheritance that comes from the father goes to the sons And so when Paul tells us that we have been adopted into God's family, what he is saying is not just to the men who happened to be in the church that day. He was saying this to everyone. He says in God's family, in God's household, the world works differently. If you belong to God's family, then you share in the inheritance that we receive from the Father. We inherit God's kingdom alongside Christ." Our older brother who has saved us and brought us home into the family of God. We have a new father. We have been given his name. He has given every single one of us his inheritance to share together. And Jesus says, if all of that is true, then go and be salt. Go and be salt. Salt that fills up the blank spaces in everything. That's the purpose of salt. It gives life because it fills in the blank places. It gives life and it gives health. It's used for healing. It's used for preservation. It's used for flavor. All of those things, it fills in what lacks. Jesus says, you belong to the Father. Now go be salt. Go fill up what is lacking. He says be light. Tell the truth. Show the truth. Bring clarity. Bring honesty. Drive away the darkness and instead be light. Not bring light. Not bring saltiness. I know you guys. You guys are very, very salty bunch. Alright? So... <laughs> He doesn't say be extra salty. He says, I want you to be salt. I want you to fill up all of the things that are lacking. I want you to bring clarity and to to, to be truth tellers. But he doesn't say, I want you to go and do those things. He says, this is who you are. That's what our baptism is about. It's about who we are, who we belong to. He doesn't say I want you to do those things. He said I want you to be salt, I want you to be light, I want you to be the presence of God in the midst of your parish, I want you to be the presence of God in the midst of your home, I want you to be the presence of God in the midst of your community. And Jesus says to us that the purpose of salt, the purpose of light, the purpose of that city up on a hill Is to glorify our Father who is in heaven. All of this always only is about us bringing glory to the Father in heaven. And so he says this is what it looks like for God's children to give God glory. It looks like shining light in darkness. It looks like filling up everything that's lacking it's more than just that right we start our reading today in verse 13 but there are 12 verses in Matthew 5 that come before this this is just a selection out of the middle of a much longer discussion that Jesus is giving he says that if you are God's children be salt be light be that city on the hill but he also says hurt and he also says trust and he also says Hallow, and he also says, mourn, and he also says, forgive, and he says, serve, and he says, give. He says, This is what God's kingdom looks like. God's kingdom is being born in God's people. When God's people become God's presence in the midst of God's creation, that creation is transformed because God is present in us and with us and through us. And in us, and with us, and through us, God is restoring everything that has been lost. God is setting free all of the things that have been stolen. God is making right everything that has gone wrong because of sin, and because of death, and because of the devil. All of the things that set themselves up in opposition to the rule of God, the reign of God, the kingdom of God, are being undone because God is with us. Because God is present in His church. Because God is present in your life. That's what your baptism means. It means that you have been transformed into a sacrament. Every single one of you is a place where heaven touches earth. Everywhere you go, God is with us. Everything you say, God is with us. You have been transformed into instruments that God is using to restore His creation. You are God's glory, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's beloved child. And He delights in you. There's so many other stories out there competing for our attention to tell us who we are. They claim that they can tell us the truth about our identity, about our personality, about our past, and about our present, and about our future. But this is what God says... About you. This is what God says to you. You are my beloved, and I delight in you. And because we are His delight, because we are His masterpiece, because we are His glory, because we are His presence, God is revealing His love. And his kingdom to the world in you and in us. Because when Jesus is talking here and says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, you are a city on a hill. The word that he uses is not you, you, it's y'all, you. (laughs) He's not only saying it about me the breaking in of God's kingdom isn't something that He gives to me as my responsibility to carry. It's the task that He has entrusted to His people. The promise is that when you and I gather together in this place, God is present and God is changing the world that is around us. And the promise is that when you and I listen to his word, that we are being transformed and the world is being transformed around us. The promise is that when we come near to his table, we are being transformed. You and we are being transformed. And a new creation is beginning again in the world all around us. And that promise is fulfilled in each one of us because of our baptism. Because our baptism means that we belong to God. We belong to God. And God delights in his children. You are God's glory, you are God's masterpiece you fill the heart of God with pleasure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. our Father is restored, hope with our Father is restored.